With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're having a wonderful week, and man, and I know this is kind of cliche at this point, but there is a lot going on in the combat sports world, as usual, we're coming off of UFC Vegas 30 this past Saturday. A lot of storylines came from that card. We'll discuss some of those on the program this week. Bellator had a pretty good event. PFL had a good event. Kabache Global had a lot of islands on that card. BKFC was insane. And look, sometimes with shows like this, I'm just a little, a little forewarning here. Things happen, and they happen moments after interviews wrap up. And that's what happened on the show this week. I'll explain that in a minute, but we are officially on the road to UFC 264. There's no event this weekend. Titan FC is back on Friday. An interesting card there, but no UFC card, no Bellator, no PFL. And you know what? We have a lot to get to, so let's just run down the lineup. We'll get to our first guest, and we have a lot of guests. Five guests this week on the program. We're going to wrap things up with the one championship Adam White title holder, Angela Lee. She is back in the gym getting ready for her eventual return to action for the first time since regaining her title in October of 2019. She is a mom now. There's a Adam White Grand Prix coming up that's been postponed a couple of different times that she's going to have her eye on very closely. She's going to wrap us up a little bit later on. A lot of people wondering what's going on with Angela Lee. You're going to have some answers coming up. To wrap us up, Julia Avila had a sensational performance on Saturday. Submits Julia Stoliarenko. Once again, did not get a bonus, but I think she got a little bit more than a bonus because a tremendous weight was lifted off of her shoulders with that win. More on that 
coming up later on in the show. Tanner Bozer got back on track, snapped his two-fight losing streak, stopped Ovin St. Pru in the second round in the co-main event of UFC 30, Vegas 30, excuse me, UFC Vegas 30, UFC 30. What am I talking about? UFC Vegas 30 this past Saturday. A little mired in controversy, through no faults of his own, by the way, but good win for the bulldozer. We will hear from him coming up as he's back in quarantine once again in Canada after yet another fight. Justin Janes put it all on the line against Charles Rosa in more ways than one. He came up short via split decision. He was one of the big stories heading in because of an interview he had done leading into the fight. He put his show money up at the betting window and lost a split decision. We're going to get his reaction to that and more. I mean, I have so much respect for that guy for coming on here and talking about it. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. But first, you heard the news last week. We talked about it last week. Ariel Hawani is coming back to MMA fighting. The MMA Hour is coming back in August. And let me just throw in there, because I know how people react to these types of things. We literally did this interview, and literally 10 minutes later, we confirmed the Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gaon fight. So there is, a, there is a stretch in this conversation. We talk about like where Cyril Gaon goes from his win, and we weren't really sure. And then this happened, okay? That happens sometimes, folks. We did react to that. Myself, Jose Youngs, and Sean Alshadi. Go back on the archives and check that out. But Ariel, Ariel and I basically hit record. We shot the breeze. And here is that conversation right now to kick us off this week on What the Heck. All right, so if you were living under a rock last week, a lot of people had been wondering what the future looked like for this gentleman, but we got a lot of answers last Monday, one of which has to deal with this here website, MMAfighting.com, the flagship show in mixed martial arts, is coming home. The MMA Hour will be back in your life beginning August 16th, twice a week with this man, Ariel Hawani. Welcome to the program and welcome home, my man. How are you? Oh, thank you, Mike. It's great. Um, I don't know if I've done anything uh, related to MMAfighting.com over the past three years. I might have missed something here or there, but uh, this feels like my my first uh, my first trip back home, being on your show, and uh, it's great to be on your show. And you've done a fantastic job over the past year plus, and I was very happy when uh, when you joined the team because uh, your your roots uh, date back several years uh, to the MMA Hour and to Rick's picks and all that stuff. So uh, it's great to be home. And uh, of course, we could get into everything, but I appreciate you wanting to talk to me, and it's uh, it's just really nice. It's nice to be around friends, and it's nice to be around such great colleagues. Well, I appreciate the kind words very much. I'm sure there was a, a, a giant weight lifted off of your shoulders getting to finally reveal this news. It took some time, obviously, to to put it all together, but here we are. So I guess a week since this announcement was made, the road has been mostly paved. There might be some other things being added to the mix in the future, but the MMA hour is now back. Like, how does it all feel now that it's out there and everybody knows about it? Oh man, uh, a massive weight lifted off my shoulders because if I'm being honest, so uh, I left MMA fighting in 2018 and uh, felt like I left on pretty good terms. Uh, the only reason I, I wanted to leave, the only opportunity I would have left for was ESPN because it had always been a dream of mine to work for ESPN. Um, signed a three-year deal uh, around late summer of last year, you know, started to feel like uh, maybe it would be best to start, you know, thinking about the next step. Um, 
that perhaps maybe I wouldn't go back to ESPN. So really, this has been on my mind for almost a year. Uh, and things only really ramped up at the beginning of this year. And then once they ramped up, it was constantly on my mind. So at times, like I would say to my wife, I can't wait till I could just go back to worrying about if I can get so-and-so on my show or some, you know, silly fight news that no one cares about in the grand scheme of things, not my entire life and trying to, uh, to plan it out. And I was trying to do something a little complicated where I was adding all these pieces together. So once it was all done and that was, uh, not this past Thursday, Friday, the previous Thursday, Friday, uh, that felt good. And then once I could actually share with the world, uh, what I was doing, that felt even better. And then my family and I uh, finally went on vacation for the first time since uh, the pandemic started to Boston. And that felt really good to be in a different setting, to give my kids and my wife a vacation of sorts. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I've never really taken a break uh, since I started. And uh, while I'll be doing some stuff here and there between now and the relaunch of the show, this is by far the biggest break of my career. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that I'm enjoying it, um, the sort of reset, the mental refresh. Um, I think that distance makes the heart grow fonder a little bit. And so it, it's all coming at a really good time for me. I, I feel I feel at peace. I was really, really stressed over the past six months at times, like feeling really down, feeling really up. It was like a roller coaster of emotions. But now I feel really at peace and uh, really, you know, really, really good about where things stand. Now that you're like you've hit the refresh button, you're taking this little break. Did you think you would enjoy it as much as you're kind of enjoying it right now? Yes, I was I was uh, dreaming of this little break because the last few months have been really, really stressful um, for various reasons. I mean, I think they've been stressful for all of us uh, because of the pandemic and, you know, change of our routine. Uh, haven't seen my parents, my sister, my in-laws in well over a year. And so we're going to Canada soon. And I'm looking forward to that finally to reunite with them. There's so much to, to catch up on. So like there's all these good things happening now. It's a bit of a weird time because it's happening, you know, usually historically early July, there's a very big UFC pay-per-view and this one is a pretty big one. Um, and I'm usually like right in the mix for all of that, but you know, there will be many other pay-per-views and many other big shows and I'll still be doing some stuff around that particular show. Um, so there's there's definitely moments where I'm having FOMO and I'm like, oh my God, it's it's Monday, it's one o'clock, I should be doing some kind of show. But again, uh, you know, come mid-August, I think everything will will come into place. And one thing that I really, I don't want to say regretted, but I think in hindsight, we should have done differently. And I actually kind of felt it at the time, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I left MMA fighting June 14th of 2018, and I returned, I went to work for ESPN on June 15th. Like, I didn't take any type of break. I, I remember, it, like, the clock struck midnight on June 14th. On June 14th, I was at a courtroom in Brooklyn because Conor McGregor was uh, having like the last kind of piece of his trial for the whole incident with the dolly. And then on June 15th, I'm in Bristol, Connecticut, you know, starting this whole new life. That was a lot. It felt like I jumped on a treadmill going, you know, speed 20. Um, and then, you know, less than two weeks after that, we relaunched my show and I felt like we weren't 100% ready to do it, but we just kind of did it to get back on track. And so I'm, I'm liking the idea of taking a breath, making sure everything's in place and then launching or relaunching everything the right way. So how did this, um, how did this idea of bringing the MMA hour come, like come to you? Like, was this something that you'd been thinking about for a while? Did it just kind of hit you? Like, you know what? I missed the studio. I missed doing the show. And you know, you have this incredible memory anyways, as it is, Ariel, like, do you remember when that idea hit you? Like, you know what, let's go home and, and see if we can do this again. Yeah. It kind of hit me. I would say around 
my my timeline may be a tad off, but March, April, the, the idea started to hit me because I I talked to so like just to to break the fourth wall if I can. Um I so I I, I was represented by an agency, CAA. I have nothing bad to say about them. I was with them for a long time. Um I felt like I needed a bit of a change in the early portion of this process around February. And so I, you know, parted ways with them very amicably. They were great for my career. They got me to ESPN. I have nothing bad to say about them, but sometimes you just feel like a bit of a change is, is required. And I felt like this was the right time as I was going into this, this new uh, era. Um, when I did that change, I, I started to take things on my own and I basically took it upon myself to make a list and to reach out to everyone under the sun. I mean, you name them, I probably talked to them in some way, shape or form. Some conversations went very well and got into like the serious territory. Some never really got off the ground. And, uh, and that's when I started to decide, like, okay, I can make a, like a little puzzle here and I could write for these guys and I could do a podcast for these guys, et cetera. And, uh, when it came, you know, to deciding what my sort of home thing would be like the, the foundation of what I was doing, the interview show that everyone has, uh, you know, known, um, you know, known from me in, uh, you know, the past like 10 or so years, um, the MMA hour, the Ariel Hawani's MMA show that I did for ESPN for three years, every conversation that I had with people, I was sort of feeling that I was trying to recreate the MMA hour. So I would ask them questions that, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I have the studio, I have the set, I have the, the personnel, I have the platform, I have this and that. And I, I kept talking to people and I kept trying to recreate this vision of what I once had because I loved that show and I loved that set. I only got to stay in that set. I only got to work out of that set for a year and I helped design it when it launched in 2017. And so I never really felt like I truly got the most out of it. And then it kind of just hit me. I was like, why don't I just go back? Like, what, what, It's all there. The people, A lot of the same people are there. Vox couldn't have treated me better when I was there. Why don't I just see if there's an opportunity? And that's when I reached out to Brian Tucker, who's you know the head honcho over at uh, MMA Fighting and, and does way more than that, oversees all the combat stuff as well, and probably does a million other things that I don't even know about. And that's when the conversations really started. And uh, they couldn't have been better and more open to it all. And uh, there was that feeling of familiarity and family and friendly faces and people that I've worked with in the past that was really, you know, pulling me. And, you know, there was definitely a part of me, if I'm being honest, I was like, hmm, do I want to go back? Like I left and then you go back. Are you trying to go back to something that isn't there anymore? But over time, it, it, it definitely became very, very clear to me that this was the right move. And it also became clear to me that this is what the fans wanted. You know, like I've always said, I feel like I work for the fans. I feel like I'm there to serve them. And I think the reaction would back that up. They they wanted this show back. This show meant a lot to them. It meant a lot to me. And so it just kind of felt like the right thing to do. What was it like going back and, and seeing the studio all built up? Because we saw the promo. You put oh, the glasses man. on. What was that like for you? It was surreal, man. It was so surreal. First of all, the office is completely empty. Uh, there were only two people there, uh, Paige and Joe. And they were there on my last day. Uh, so it was great to see them. And they were, it was like they saw a ghost. Obviously, they knew I was coming, but it was like, you know, they 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 admitted they didn't think that I would be back. And uh, then walking in, you know, I had just seen the uh, the Friends reunion on HBO Max with my wife. I'm not a big Friends guy, but we watched it and it was fun. And like that scene when they walk on the set and they see an old friend, it, it felt 
very similar. Uh, it just, I just never thought I would be able to see that again. And, uh, I love that studio. I love the way it feels. I love the way it looks. I love the way, you know, where it is. I just love the desk. I love everything about it. And to sit back there, the microphone, like these are things that I appreciate way more now for various reasons. And, uh, just to sit back there and, uh, also, you know, I haven't been in a studio for the past year and a half. I've been doing shows from home and I miss being under the lights in the studio, feeling like there's a show there that I'm not just doing stuff, you know, while wearing, you know, sweatpants. And so like all that together coming at this time when everything was coming together and signing all this stuff, like it just, it, it, it was, it truly felt like, like medicine for my soul. It, it felt like I was coming home. It was a great feeling. And, uh, I just, you know, I'm very excited to get rolling again. I wasn't sure if this is the way that it was going to go. Like, obviously I'm certainly thrilled about it, but I know just from doing shows like this and booking guests, like it can be a little stressful, right? Huh, but at the same yes. token, like it's, it's kind of fun waiting for these things to come together. There's a little bit of a rush to it being like, Oh, is this person going to come on? This person going to come yep. on. And then they come in and be like, Oh yeah, I, I could jump on in five minutes. Like, are you ready for that part of it as well to get back to like booking these big shows, get that Sunday feeling back after big events. But yeah. now you have a little bit of a buffer too with that Wednesday show. That's, that's gotta be a little bit of a relief too. So I feel like you and I are two of the very few people on the planet who probably know that feeling because I know that you've been doing the same sort of thing for a while now. And, uh, that's a, that's a strain, man. Like I'll be honest with you when the pandemic started and uh, we started to do DC and Helwani on Mondays instead of the regular show, it felt like a gift from the gods. Like it felt like a massive weight was lifted off my shoulders. Um, even when you say that Sunday feeling, like it kind of gives me like a, a tingle in the chest. Um, and it was really tough. I mean, I, I, I've been doing it since 2009 and especially like you're, you're, you're flying to events and you're taking the red eye home and now you're having to book people and you're getting home and you're trying to like get ready for the show. Like it's just a lot that Sunday, Monday. And I actually felt like it was starting to make me um, like the sport less because I was watching events based on who I can get on the show and, and you know, who would be available to me. And that's really no fun. Um, but getting to do the second show now and, you know, the, the show won't be as long, right? Because before it was like five, six hours, boom, there it is for the whole week. Well, now two, two and a half hours on Monday, two, two and a half hours or so on, uh, on Wednesday, I feel like a, if I can't get someone on Monday, then I could get them on Wednesday. It, this, the, 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 the stress isn't as much and the pressure isn't as high. Of course, I'm going to try to get the biggest guests all the time. But, uh, sometimes, you know, someone's flying home on Monday and I, I got to get you from the, the airport. Like I really prided myself on getting the biggest names possible. Well, now if they're not available on Monday, I can get them on Wednesday and get someone else. Also one good thing for my time at ESPN, I feel like I've become a lot more comfortable with sharing my thoughts with just being on my own. Uh, I feel like I've gotten, you know, that, that sort of confidence before I wanted to, you know, pack the show from start to finish with guests. And now I don't necessarily feel like I need to do that as much. So there's definitely a lot of good things that came out of the experience. And, uh, yeah, I miss, I miss booking the guests. I miss the rush of getting the big name. I miss the rush of being alive. I miss, I miss the rush of like everyone watching you on YouTube or whatever. Uh, all, all of these things are, I think are really good. And again, I, uh, I just felt like the fans missed it. I felt like the fans missed that show. You know, I would love to hear from the European fans. They say like they're having dinner. It's like six o'clock and they're watching the show like that all meant a lot to me. So I'm ready for it. And uh, I love the fact that it's on now twice a week because now I don't have to stack the, the show on Monday as much. Is there anything that you want 
to be different about this iteration of the MAR? Like obviously the interviews are going to be the focal point, but is there yeah. anything, any other elements that, that you want to add to it as well? Well, I, I think that I will give myself a little bit of time. Maybe it's at the beginning of the show. Maybe it's at the end, uh, you know, to give my own thoughts. You know, I, I wouldn't do that as much um, in the, the first iteration. One thing I keep thinking about is uh, when the Winnipeg Jets, the hockey team, left. So the Winnipeg Jets left to Phoenix to become the Phoenix Coyotes. Uh, Coyotes. And then later on, uh, the Atlanta Thrashers moved to Winnipeg like some 10, 15 years later. And one thing that always stuck with me um, was when the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg and the Winnipeg Jets were reborn, they changed the logo, they changed the whole look of the team. And I always felt like that was a big mistake because the fans really missed the old logo, the team, the nostalgia and all that. So I don't want to necessarily go back now and change the show dramatically because I think the nostalgia is what is getting people excited. But there are different elements here or there that I think are worth kind of tinkering with. But at the end of the day, to me, the show is about the guests, the names, the sport. Mondays, I think we'll be mostly like looking back at the weekend or the week that was and Wednesdays will be, you know, looking ahead. So I think it's, it's in a good spot that way. And of course, whatever news pops up and, you know, you just kind of go with the flow. Like one thing that I always liked about the show was it wasn't overly produced. It was kind of, a, a, you know, if we wanted to do an hour with someone in the studio, we did an hour. If we want to do 10 minutes, like there's there's really no rhyme or reason. And that's the way I think, you know, digital shows should be. So there's a couple of questions that people have had since this news dropped. And I'm not sure if you can even answer it or provide any context to it. But the biggest question that I've gotten from people especially fans of the website is, can we bring back the MMA beat? Like you have ah. like a dozen new roles moving forward. You're already doing the MAR twice a week. Have you seen this pledge from the fans to bring back the beat? Like, are there, like, is it even in your yeah. brain right now to maybe bring the show back? Yeah. So, uh, I have thought of that and I, I even thought about, Oh, maybe Mondays would be the MMA hour. Wednesdays would be the beat. Um, I like the, I, I think the MMA hour is the, the sort of dominant brand. I, I think the beat definitely has, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, brand, um, you know, recognition with the fans. And I think it meant a lot to people. Uh, I, I, you know, a lot of us aren't as local right now. And I actually think that's okay. I think that one thing that we've learned over this past year and a half is that you don't have to all be in the same room and the shows could be just as good witness what you guys have done over the past year and change. So one thing that I've thought about is almost like to make the MMA be like a segment within the Wednesday MMA hour, you know what I mean? And so, you know, it's just the name of a, like, you know, a ton of shows have different segments within the show. Right. And so you go like 30 minutes with, you know, members of the team, you and Sean, AK, definitely not Casey. I have no <laughs> idea who let that man on air. Um, and that's one of the main reasons I, I wanted to come back was to, to get him off air. Uh, but you know what I mean? I, I feel like that could be a really fun element to the Wednesday show. So uh, I've seen that. I think it could make a lot of sense. And uh, I would be down if if you guys would be down as well. I'm definitely down. I think you're, you made a lot of people happy with uh, with that response right there. So, uh, do you have a couple minutes to talk some fight absolutely. stuff? Yes, yeah, let's absolutely. Talk some fight stuff because yeah, I um, thought you just wanted to, to break the fourth wall and talk about contract stuff and uh, all this nonsense. But no, I love talking fight stuff. Yeah, let's me? talk some fight stuff. People don't want to hear about that. They're already happy you're back. Then now that now they might they got teased of the MMA beat a little bit. They're they're thrilled. Now we can talk about anything. We're good to go. All right. Uh, Cyril Gan. Got a, a very good win on Saturday night. And and I brought this up on our preview show, so I want to get your take on this because the fight sort of flew under the radar as a top five heavyweight main event because this division just has 
way more unanswered questions than it's had in the past. And the timing of this fight wasn't great because of those questions that we don't have answers to. So Gan looks good against a massive, dangerous guy like Alexander Volkov. Where does he go from Saturday night? Because he's in a really interesting spot right now, but I don't know if it's like a good thing or like a not so good thing. Okay, before I answer that question, I do have to ask you a question since we're fully moving on here. You need to tell, because I don't really even know the real story behind this. You need to tell us all, and I apologize if if you've addressed this, you need to tell us the Rick's pick story. Like, how did this happen? (laughs) What, 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 like, how did you, I mean, first of all, it's such a pro, like, so old school MMA fans, MMA hour fans, We'll remember Rick's picks with New York Rick, Eric Jackman. Um, you did the jingle. It was a fantastic jingle. Like you would think we paid thousands of dollars for this jingle. I need the real unfiltered behind the scenes story as to how this whole thing came about and how you produce such a great song. Okay. I, I don't think I've ever actually told the story. Let's I think go. people just knew that that I did it. So I was a, an avid MMA hour listener. It would come out on Monday. It was just the, the perfect amount of time, too. Like people, Some people would be like, oh, it's five, six, seven. That's perfect for me. That got me like the ride to work, ride home every day. So I was right. good to go. And I heard you guys talking about possibly doing a theme song. And Rick had been on like my podcast a couple of times to do like some fight pick stuff. So I don't know why I thought that it would be like a good idea for me to try to put something together. And I remember you mentioning to Rick, you wanted you maybe some kind of like Motown theme or something to that extent. And I was like, oh, let me see what I can do. And just during like my off time in the radio station when I was on the air, I just started playing around with stuff and I found the actual track that I wanted to use. And then I tried out a bunch of different things like voice wise. And then uh, once I got like sort of the female voice going, the Rick's picks. Yeah. And I just, I was like, all right, I'm off to the races. So I wrote the song and just did it. It probably took me like four hours total to put together. Wow. That's it. Just off and on. Yeah. Once Wait, I so had the song, I was good. I was off the, the female. Races. Me. Oh, so you just changed the voice. Yeah. I just put a little bit of a, a tone on it. I took, wow. I deepened, I deepened yeah. the guy who actually sang the song. Who and sang the I, song? Me. <laughs> that's amazing and and what were you 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 worked for a radio station yeah i did afternoons for a radio station out in the berkshires wow and and what what was the content sports no it was just uh i was on a hit radio station but i did a lot of production stuff too so we i like produced a lot of commercials and did a lot of different things so once i learned how to do that i was obsessed with it like all different things you could do with the programs and everything so once i put that together Rick came on to do a pick to do picks for one of the upcoming pay-per-views. And I was like, Rick, I want to play this for you like live on the air. And I played it for him and he was like, and that was it. As soon as he heard, he goes, I'm sending this to Ariel. We're going to have it on the air Monday. Wow. That, was that it. is wild. That is amazing. Um, and when did you leave the radio station? 2019. We we're going to try to move to a different part of the state. So I got another job, like doing something still in radio, but not on the air. And I just didn't like it. Okay. We did it for like six months. It just didn't really work. And then from that point, that was when I had the conversation with my wife and I was like, give me a year to do this MMA thing full time and let's see what happens. Wow. And, you know, nine months later I'm with MMA fighting. So and crazy, you, crazy world. How'd you get the MMA fighting job? <laughs> Constant emails. <laughs> I bugged Brian Tucker for months. Just That's like amazing. once things started you know, once the team started going off to different places, there were openings and I was like, yeah. I'm just going to shoot emails and see if he'll actually respond. And I think it was probably like after the 16th email, Brian was like, okay, I'll That's talk amazing. to you. We had a That's conversation great. and there we go. And it was like right before the pandemic, right? 
I came on like literally the day before everything shut down. Jeez Louise. Yeah. What it was timing. Like, it was crazy. I was, yeah, it was, uh, it was a little worrying for the first few months. I was like, oh man, like I just got this and I, I no. wouldn't, wouldn't understand. I mean, I would completely understand if. No, dare like, I say they, they got really lucky because you have that radio background, you have that hosting background, that presence. And so doing things from home, doing things from a studio, doesn't matter. So I would say that they were just as lucky as you were to get you at that exact time. Um, so that's amazing the way that all worked out that I, I believe that all these things kind of happened for a reason. I, I'm a big believer in all of that. And, um, I remember when you joined, it was great. I was like, Oh my God, the Rick's picks guy. I didn't really know about your background. I'm sorry. I, kn I knew you had the podcast as well, but I didn't know about the, like the, uh, the official, you know, professional radio background. So I thought it was just a great story that you like finally made your way there officially. And then when you started doing the stuff, I was like, Oh, this is great. You have someone from home that's able to do this, that actually knows what they're doing because, you know, not to sound like some kind of snob, but I think everyone thinks that they can interview. Everyone thinks that they can ask questions, but like there's, I believe there's an art, there's a science to it. And I know that sounds incredibly pretentious, but I, I do feel like there, you have to know some things when you do it to do it the right way. And, uh, and, and you know, them. so I think that it's, uh, it's wonderful that it happened like right then and there, you know, because, uh, I mean, let's be honest. It would have been Casey asking the questions or something, and the whole the whole ship would have sunk at that point. So, I hope uh, I hope that, I hope they're treating you well. Yeah, you yes, know I can better. hear you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fourth walls, I'll be editing out this slander. Don't worry. Oh man, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's just it's way better doing this than talking about Ed Sheeran's new song or I love Lady Gaga's new album. I, I like him. I like him too, but. You know, when you hear the same songs over and over again, it's yeah. better having different conversations uh, at a different level with some of these fantastic people uh, like okay. yourself. I will go back to your question now, now that I uh, got that out of the way. Um, <laughs> and, that, and that is amazing. And by the way, we, we talked about this off air, but I feel compelled because every time I, I hear about the Berkshires, I get a warm feeling in my heart as well. I went to summer camp in the Berkshires. I was a counselor at Camp Taconic in 2000, and it was just a wonderful experience. It was uh, what a lovely camp that was. I don't know if you or anyone out there is familiar with it, but uh, one of my favorite summers as a uh, camp counselor. So anyway, um, Surreal Gun is really, really good, and he's come a really long way in a very short amount of time, in my opinion. And I feel that in a perfect world, him versus Stipe makes the most amount of sense. And here's why. Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou is the next title fight. Now, they wanted it for August 7th, um, it's looking like that's not going to happen. Uh, they're having some trouble making the fight. Uh, if you saw recently, I forget the outlet, so I apologize, but uh, I think an outlet, a Brazilian outlet reported that the Glover Teixeira versus Jan Bachovic fight is moving to October. And so that leads me to believe that they're trying to put the Derek Lewis versus, uh, Francis Ngannou two fight on the September pay-per-view, which is tentatively, tentatively scheduled for September 25th. Uh, but all the parts are moving right now. And so let's say they fight September 25th. Let's say they figure this out. I think that John Jones should fight the winner of that fight. I think it's a big mistake to have John Jones fight anyone but the champion when he makes his heavyweight debut. Obviously, John versus Stipe makes sense. But to me, you want the greatest light heavyweight champion, arguably the greatest champion in UFC history to move up. I think he should fight for the belt. I think he's earned that. So let's say they fight end of September. Let's say the winner of that fight is only ready in, I don't know, January, the earliest, maybe February. Okay. Now all of a sudden you have 
John Jones fighting the winner of that fight January, February. And then the winner of that fight is probably only ready July, August. Like, is Stipe really going to sit out that long, a year and a half? At some point, I feel like Stipe has to fight someone other than the champion, right? Like, he can't just fight the belt. And he's the greatest, you know, heavyweight champion in UFC history, the most decorated. But it would be nice to see him in a non-title fight. Not because he has to earn his shot. Not because he has to prove anything to anyone. But, like, the train kind of has to roll along. And I don't want him at this point in his career, he's getting up there in age, to just sit out. So I feel like Surreal Gunn versus Stipe Miocic makes the most amount of sense next. Now, will Stipe take that fight? I know he's taking the rest of the year off. He's having a kid. It might not work out. So then we're talking about, like, you know, maybe Surreal just fights someone like, you know, an up in, you know, Tom Aspinall or um, an, uh, an Asker or someone like that. You know, obviously it feels like a bit of a step backwards after beating someone like Volkov. Uh, but I think he's in that conversation, but I, I really do feel like it should be Lewis and Ganu, the winner of that fights Jones. And then the winner of that fight, the Jones versus the winner of Lewis and Ganu fights the winner of, in my opinion, what should be the, the Stipe versus, um, surreal Gan fight. That's what I would do if I were in charge, but heavyweight is kind of very fluid right now. And especially with the Jones situation, like what if they can't come to terms with Jones, then that changes everything. Yeah. I won uh, like in the immediate aftermath, I was like, I wondered if he should have just called out Stipe. Like, I know Gon's not like a big yeah. trash talker, but I wonder if he just said the name because, you know, even if he didn't get the fight, he at least put it out there. It looks good to the fans and it looks good to the UFC that he's calling for a fight like that. And you take a roadblock potentially out of play to get to the title. So if you go in there and you beat him, you eliminate one of your potential hurdles, you leap over it, and now you're even closer to the title than you were before get a little more money in your pocket. It's a tough fight. It's a risky fight considering he in the position, but I don't know. Part of me was like, you should have just thrown it out there and saw what happened. If it happened great. If it didn't, people are like, wow, did you see that guy? He called out steep. That's a pretty bold move right there. Yeah, I, I agree. I always feel like it's good to call people out. I also feel like we put a lot of pressure on these guys and we forget that they were just in a 25 or 50 minute fight getting their, you know, heads punched. Uh, and, you know, we can forgive them if they maybe don't remember to call someone out in that moment and they're just overcome with joy. So, you know, I, I try to be less uh, critical of them in that spot. But yes, the the absolute best scenario would have been him calling out Stipe Miocic or at least trying to build to another big fight. But if you if you look at the rankings, if you want to put any stock in the rankings, there isn't that much space at this point between Surreal Gun and, you know, the top of the uh, the mountain. And if promoted correctly, could you imagine somewhere down the line, potentially in 2022, definitely in at least 2022, Francis Ngannou versus Surreal Gun, the two former teammates fighting in France? Like, could you imagine how big that, I mean, you couldn't have scripted a better scenario for the UFC. Of course, a few things have to happen between now and then, but holy smokes. I mean, that would be one of the biggest fights in the history of European MMA. And it just so happened, you know, to coincide potentially with the UFC's debut in Paris and France. That would be incredible. I agree. Uh, a couple quick things before we let you go. Uh, we obviously get a small reprieve from UFC action, and it's on to Vegas to UFC 264, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor 3. I thought the promos on Saturday for this fight were fantastic. It got the juices flowing a little bit. I'm definitely more excited about the fight after watching those promos. I know there's no title on the line. A shot at the title could very well be on the line. But overall, like when you look at these two guys and what they stand for as fighters, what they have done in their career, outside of title contention and all that stuff. What's at stake for both of these guys on July 10th? Oh man. I mean, there's the obvious, right? Like Connor has to get back on track. Um, he needs this victory. Not, not because of title contention or anything like that. Like just for his brand, 
his popularity. Like Connor will always be popular. He'll always be the biggest star in the sport. But I do think a win would help him exponentially. And um, and then you want to go to the next level. Like the winner of this fight, obviously, will probably fight for the belt uh, against Charles Oliveira. Dustin Poirier gets a chance to fight for the undisputed title again. Um, Dustin Poirier gets to essentially win the series against Connor. Doubtful that they fight for a fourth time. I, I know it's happened before here and there, but pretty doubtful. So he'd be up 2-1. Um, but I, I just think it's it's uh, it's one of those things where like there's there's almost something poetic to this fight if you think about it because Connor beats Dustin as he's coming up. Dustin's the guy who says you know you can't get past me. You're you're all hype and all this stuff. He beats him. Dustin is crushed by the loss. Needs to kind of reinvent himself, figure himself out. Meanwhile, Connor is on this trajectory. Okay, a bunch of stuff obviously happens in between. They meet again. You know, several years later, what is it? Uh, six and a half or so years later, and uh, Connor's on his big comeback tour. He stumbles. Dustin wins in the midst of his reinvention and and you know connecting with the fans and this following and you know he's starting to become the man and 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 become a lot more famous and a lot more money and you know finally you know uh, Habib is out of the way. So could he be the guy at 155? And so they both have this thing. And now it's Connor who's at the crossroads. Dustin again trying to stop him from you know getting over the hump. Dustin trying to punch his ticket. Like there's just so much there in terms of juicy storylines, and it's one of those fights that doesn't need a belt, in my opinion. It would be silly to have made this for a title or interim title or anything like that. I think they got the best of two scenarios. They got to make Charles Oliveira into a star. He gets the parade. He gets his moment. All this stuff, and then you get this fight that doesn't need the belt, and then the winner of this fight, fight fights Charles Oliveira, who's as hot as can be. I mean, it's just great stuff. Also, it's you know July. 10th, and I won't bring up the fact that the last few international fight week cards feel like they have been cursed and things have happened. And so hopefully it all comes to fruition and everything is good. Uh, and it just kind of feels right. Connor fighting in July, this big fight. Um, the tr- I mean, like just everything about it feels right. It feels good. And uh, I, I just, I, I love the symbolism. They, they posted that video, the, the man in the arena video with Dustin. I mean, I'll be honest, sometimes the UFC leaves me scratching my head with their promo work. That was a good one. That was a job well done. I really enjoyed that, and uh, I thought it just kind of hit all those emotional tones that I'm I'm speaking of here. So yeah, I'm excited. Two sixty four. Let's go. July tenth. Always been a great you know weekend for the sport. So hopefully it's another great one. There you go. And then last thing, I do want to touch on Wonderboy Thompson and what he's got going on on that card in the co-main event. The whole card is ridiculous, but Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Thompson is a great fight. Wonderboy can get a big boost with the win here. Burns is kind of defending his spot so to speak, because Usman's the champion and that's just kind of where he is right now after the February fight. But for Wonderboy, if he wins, the fans are behind him to get back to a title shot. Where does it put him in the queue? Like, does he, is he just white right behind Colby? Is he, did, does he jump Colby? Is yeah. he still behind Leon? Like what does a win for Wonderboy do for his title aspirations on a short term level? Yeah. And, and it is a really fun fight card you know i'm bummed that we're not getting the kevin lee sean brady fight i really like that fight um return of kevin brady's on a roll but that's a really interesting fight i don't think that wonder boy i agree with you the fans are behind him it would be nice to see him get a shot i don't think that he would jump over colby i don't think that he would jump over leon i suspect he would be maybe at that point one away after the win over gilbert burns like gilbert burns to me in my opinion has no pressure on his shoulders here right he just lost to usman usman doesn't look like he's losing the belt anytime soon um so hey just you, you get a win over a wonder boy 
as you said, you keep your spot, you're in position, see what happens in Usman's next fight. He has no pressure on his shoulders, and Gilbert's still a tremendous fighter. Wonderboy is the guy who's trying to work his way back in there. The guy that he lost to twice when he was champion, Tyron Woodley, is now out of the promotion. So there's there's a path for him to get to that title shot. He just has to beat the likes of Gilbert Burns and probably one more after that. So a lot of pressure on Wonderboy Thompson. Um, but he's always been that guy who, at least over the last few years, like he wins that big one. It's just the really big one that he hasn't been able to win. So I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it's an interesting style matchup as well. Like, you know, does Gilbert stay standing with him? Does he try to take him down? Does he go back to a little more of his jujitsu roots? He almost freaking knocked out Kamaru Usman. It's like, we almost forgot about that at this point in the first round of their fight back in February, so close to becoming champion. And I'm sure that's eating him up inside. So it's a great, um, it's a great co-main for a card like that. And it's a really interesting style matchup in terms of, we know what, Wonder Boy is going to do. We know his style. We know what he wants to do. But Gilbert, to me, is the real interesting part of this this story because a he has no pressure, and b uh, I, I'm curious if he tries to take him to the ground and, and use his grappling more than he has in recent memory. It's a great fight, great card, and uh, a lot to look forward to this summer, including the return of the MMA Hour, August 16th, here on MMAfighting.com. And I get to do it in a studio. Yes. I get to do it in an actual studio. I get to leave my house. People think that I'm afraid to leave my house. Now, I would tell those people, kayfabe, my friends, kayfabe. Sometimes we say things that aren't always exactly true. Like, that was me playing a character, guys. Come on, of course I've left my house. I've left my house since day one. I haven't worn a mask since the beginning of this whole thing. No, I'm just joking. Um, it is great. It is great to be back. You have done a phenomenal job. Everyone has done a phenomenal job. Uh, and I'm just I'm just really happy to be a part of the team. And, and I'm happy that uh, some of the familiar faces are still around or are back as well. Shaheen Al-Shadi, Casey's there, Guilherme is there, obviously Brian is there, uh, Jed is there. Uh, this is the big problem with trying to name names off the top of your head. I'm trying to think of if I'm missing anyone else. From, oh, AK Lee, of course, my fellow Canadian is still there, kicking ass, very sassy AK Lee. But uh, what's exciting is the, the new faces as well, part of this new era, Jose, yourself, uh, Steven, Damon, uh, Alex, uh, if I'm missing anyone, please, please, please forgive me. Um, uh, but you know, you get the sentiment. Um, it's just great to be back. They say you can't go home again, Mike, but I'm here to tell you, you can go home again. And, uh, I just can't wait to be unfiltered. I can't wait for the shackles to come off. I can't wait to just say what I want about whomever I want, however I want to do it from that studio and, uh, to talk to the biggest names in the sport and to do it at the place that was so near and dear to my heart for almost a decade, MMAfighting.com. So it's great to, uh, to have this reintroduction via your show. I, I appreciate you having me on. And I will apologize to you publicly. I've sort of given you a bit of the stiff arm over the last few months, only because I knew this was coming, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it would be – now, imagine we would have done this in May and you were like, I wasted it, right? Isn't it better now? Didn't That's it all true. work out? It all worked out. It was out. a little – the fourth wall, the last time, because I've, I've been bugging him. I've been bugging Ariel for months to come on between the links and go up against Jed or some of the other folks that we've had on the show. And normally it's, you know, I got to go do the NBA. You got to do all yeah, these things yeah, to do. Right. The last one was a one word response and you just said soon. And I was like, oh, what does yeah. that mean? I was yeah. like. And then when I found out, I was like, ah, 
Well played, sir. Well played. Yes. And if I'm being honest, like, look, when you're an A-lister like myself, you can't, you know, grapple with jabrones like Jed Mishu. I mean, let's be honest. You know, they get like, oh, I mean, I would be sort of like, uh, could you imagine me versus Casey on a show like that? I mean, could you imagine? Like, you would never see John Cena going up against the Brooklyn Brawler on Monday Night Raw. It just doesn't happen. So, like, once you guys find an opponent that's sort of at my level, knowledge, skill-wise, then maybe I will consider the uh, the invitation. All right. Well, we look forward to that. We'll have to scour the the depths to try to find such an opponent for you, Ariel. But thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, man, am I excited for August 16th, man. Welcome back again. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For the second straight week, a, a little bit of a talking heads opener. This time with Ariel Hawani. Don't miss the return of the MMA Hour, August 16th, right here on MMAFighting.com. Mondays and Wednesdays coming real soon as we move ahead to the guitar hero, Justin Janes, big story heading into Saturday night, lost a tough split decision, and now let's see where he's at right now and what the heck. All right, let us move ahead to another one of the big stories heading into this past Saturday's UFC Vegas 30 event. He made a lot of headlines coming in, mostly due to the belief in himself. Unfortunately, it did not go his way. He dropped a split decision to Charles Rosa after a fun 15-minute battle, so I appreciate him coming on to discuss the aftermath of it all. Justin Janes, kind enough hey, to I'm join us on What the Heck. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing great. So let's start with all the attention you got heading into this fight because you did an interview, I believe, with Overtime Heroics, and you let it be known that you were betting your purse on yourself to win this fight. Unfortunately, the fight went the way that it did. How does it all feel a couple days later? Uh, man, it's, uh, it's just another day in the office, man. You know, I was prepared, as I said, for all outcomes, uh, you know, win or lose. Um, you know, whether I won the bet or lost the bet, you know, again, I was prepared for all outcomes. Obviously, doesn't feel good. Uh, you know, I'm a, I gamble a lot, man, but that's by far the biggest win. Uh, you know, just just come up short in a split decision really sucks. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm a grown man, and uh, I'll pay my debts. And uh, on to the next, man. I still believe myself, and I, I would have no problem doing it again. 
how did you how did you score the fight? I don't know if you, you went back and, and watched it after the fact, but how did you score it in your own mind? Uh, you know, here's the, it's 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 just a slippery slope on especially scoring for MMA because. You know, uh, I do feel Charles had more volume, but he was he wasn't landing any shots. I mean, like I I didn't I don't I'm not bruised up. I wasn't, you know, it, it's frustrating, man, because when I landed my shots, I was cracking, and when he was landing his shots, uh, I mean, they're 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 like mosquito bites, man. So I thought I won the first round. Um, you know, he took me down with like 40 seconds left in the first round. Uh, I reversed out of it relatively quick. You know, that kind of negates the takedown I feel. And again, landing the stronger strikes, I thought I won the first round. Going into the second, um, you know, we we ended up in this kind of this awkward position where he kept, he was hammer fisting me, but again, not damaging shots. Um, you know, and. Uh, I lost the second round for sure just because of that awkward position we were getting in. I come out slugging in the third. Uh, I knew he was hurt, you know, and I'm getting a lot of a lot of criticism for, oh, why did you take him down? Well, you know, after I'm finishing with that flurry, I, although I am cracking and, you know, my punches are slowing down, you know, we've been fighting for 15 minutes. The lactic acid is filling up, you know, in my arms, and I could feel my punches slowing down. I started hitting him in the forearms, and then we just were so close. So uh, I took him down knowing – that are assuming uh, after watching Bryce Mitchell that he gave me a side choke and sure as shit, he gave me the side choke. And, uh, you know, I, I knew I had to finish the side choke and I thought I had a better chance finishing the side choke than actually putting him down on the feet. So, uh, you know, try to use a little bit more fight IQ than, than, than I probably should have. And uh, it is what it is, man. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, but, you know, I'm not sure about it hindsight obviously is a is a fickle beast in the entire world and of course in the fight game do you regret going for the takedown i mean i i know it's it, it happened it is what it is but do, if you could do it again would you have kept it on the feet you know i i don't really know uh you know it's we can always say what we could do or what we would have done but what if i would have finished the side choke then i would have been a genius you know everyone's like oh my god i can't believe you took him out oh shit he finished side choke you know it's again watching the bryce mitchell fight uh, Bryce had him in the side choke a whole bunch, uh, like five or six times. Um, I felt with him being tired, I could hear him breathing hard. I felt with him being rocked, uh, that I was strong enough that I could, you know, you know, finish it. So I, I can't say I regret it. Um, on the feet, you know, it's again, man, fatigue was setting in. My punches were slowing down. I, I I'm not sure if I could have finished it. Maybe I could have, maybe I couldn't have, but again, it's just one of those things, you know, uh, the people, the people love you. If you win, they hate you. If you lose again, if I would have finished the side choke, uh, after I took him down, I would be the smartest fighter. My fight IQ would be through the roof. Obviously, since the submission didn't go through, I'm, uh, you know, the dumbest fighter in the UFC. So it is what it is, man. And, uh, I can't say I regret what I did because, you know, that was my 72nd or 73rd MMA fight. So I feel I do have a pretty high fight IQ. Um, you know, it just happened, happened to be in the circumstance of, you know, after I threw that right hand, my shoulder was so close to him. It was just almost reaction just to grab onto him. And then when I took it, he, he went down so easy again because he was rocked. And again, I thought, I thought I could find the submission and, uh, and, and get the dramatic win, but it is what it is, man. I can't, I, I don't have regrets in, in the bet that I placed. I don't have regrets in the decisions I've made. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully that, you know, me believing in my spot in myself inspired someone else to believe in their self. And at the end of the day, that's what I'm gonna chalk it up to, you know, it's, uh, money comes and goes, but belief in yourself, uh, needs, needs to be permanent. Was it, do you, do you think the, the choke was close? Did you feel like he was fading and oh, yeah, it was just yeah, a matter yeah. of time? Yeah, well, it, it was very, very tight choke. Um, I was listening to his breathing. Uh, Charles is black belt in jiu-jitsu. It's not the first time he's been in that bad position. You know, he, he was talking on the phone. He had his hand up, you know, just and, and I was ready for that. But again, 
you know, I thought I was strong enough to, you know, with that amount of time left in that circumstance to, to be able to finish. Um, I, I was listening to his breathing. <laughs> you know, he, he was having a hard time. He was having labor breathing. And uh, unfortunately, you know, just just didn't work out for me, man. What was the conversation like between the second and third rounds? Because you came out guns blazing. It was almost like you knew you needed to get the finish, like you sort of alluded to earlier. But what were your coaches saying to you before you went out for the third? That I needed a finish. That's that's all I remember him telling me. And uh, I, I'm always looking for the finish. I don't coast to the finish line. Um, even if I had won the first round, the second round, I still probably would have done the same thing in the third. Um, again, I'm, I'm I'm not fighting. I don't want to fight for boring fights. I, I want I want you know drag them in, throw them out, bang them up fights you know i mean i i probably could take some guys down and land them for 15 minutes and grind out these decisions but you know unfortunately my ego gets the better of me and uh you know i want exciting fights and i want people to be excited to to see me fight and to to watch guys just be taken down and lay down is, is very boring and you know, I, I told myself before this fight that I was going to make it a boring fight. But once I got in there, I got all the adrenaline and I, I threw that game plan right out the window. And if I had any regret, I'm not going to say I regret doing that. But uh, I, I guess I could have been a little smarter about it. Um, try to make it a more boring fight, more care about the win than the excitement. But it is what it is, man. Fighting, I, I fight for fun. The money's great. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, I, I wanted it to be exciting and hopefully it was exciting. Yeah, I mean, the storyline heading in with the bet made it even more exciting. It was, it was one of the biggest talking points of the entire card. Did you think that this would become such a big story heading into the fight? Uh, no, and that, and that's the crazy part because people keep saying, oh, you're, 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 this is a publicity stunt. Listen, I don't care if you believe me. I don't care if you don't believe me. My family knows that right, <laughs> I fucking lost. Like, don't you think like if this was a publicity stunt, I would have been raving about this weeks prior. You know, there is no mention of it. I only mentioned it to the one podcast overtime heroics, you know, that and I, I believe that might've been the only person I mentioned it to Then ESPN picked it up and it, and it went big. If this was a publicity stunt, I would have been going crazy about it the whole time. I, like I said, again, I only mentioned it a couple of times and I, and I barely touched on it when I did, I, I, I had no idea it was going to get this kind of hype. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that the whole, it, it all started with a teammate of mine, you know, last year, the year before told me, he goes, I'm going to bet my whole purse on myself. And I was like, Holy shit, that's gangster. Like that, that's a gangster move. And then he didn't do it. And I was like, well, I got that. Fuck it. Like, I was like, Oh wow, that's dumb. And then, uh, you know, I was talking to, uh, you know, Eric Nixick at the gym and I told him I'm going to do it. And he's like, dude, that's fucking awesome. And, uh, you know, after, when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Um, obviously, I, I could have backed out. You know, I, I could have backed out, you know, the week of because, you know, I, I did all my bets through credit. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, now my paycheck's gone. But it, <laughs> I, I had no idea I was going to get any publicity with this. I had no idea that it was going to, you know, get, get this big. But it is what it is, man. And, and, and haters are going to say it's fake. And it is what it is, man. I look at my bank account this morning and I know it's not there. What was the actual number? Uh, it was right below. It was like right around twenty thousand. It wasn't twenty five thousand. Uh, what I said in Overheim is it's going to be. I was going to. I was going to pay my my show money. And he said, "What? What is that around?" I said, oh, "It's around twenty five thousand. Well, I still have to pay my manager, and I still. Uh, and and although my coaches did say they that will ride or die with me, it's you know, <laughs> I'm going to pay them too. All right. Well, that's, that's good. The reaction to this fight, you know, the bet on yourself, it's one of those moments in our sport, especially in the aftermath that kind of sucks because it was such a gangster move, as you said, but it's brought out sort of the worst in some of the fans of the sport. And even some of your fellow fighters decided to, you know, sort of pour salt on the wound, so to speak. Like what have you made about 
how people have chosen to react to your situation? You know, it's it's just one of those. I I, I really I, I really just don't care. You know, it's 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 not their money. It's my money. I can bet on whatever I want to bet on, man. And you know, I, I love betting MMA. Um, and every week, every time there's a UFC show, I bet almost every single fight, even if I don't know the guy, just to, just to, just just for fun. And you know what? I thought to myself, it's like, dude, who who better to bet on than than a guy I, I personally know and more than personally know, you know, and somebody that I believe in more than anybody. And when when you know when I'm digging through the trenches in the middle of a fight, when I'm tired, you know, this is this is what was going through my head. You know, there's there's plenty of times where I was tired or sore in training, and it's like, oh, I'm gonna take the day off. It's like, oh, hell no, you're not. You got you got a lot of money on this fight. This is, this is at least shit. It's definitely the biggest bet I've ever made. Um, maybe two or three times, uh, the, the, the biggest bet I've ever made. So, you know what other, I don't know why anybody. So I don't know why people are so upset about this. People are saying, Oh, you scammed me. You got me to believe in you. You got me, you got me to put all my money on you. You know, here, that's a you problem. You know, I have my own problems. I just lost a fight. I lost my, my, my purse. Um, you know what? You don't hear me going, going after people and, and blaming other, other, other people for my decisions, you know? And uh, I think that's very immature, whether it's a fighter, whether it's a fan, you know, let me do what I want. And if you want to follow that's, that's on you. And that's not my problem. <laughs> so people, so people, you made this massive bet on yourself. You bet your show money essentially outside of what you had to pay your managers and your coaches and people are actually blaming you for this oh, yeah. like they're, they're, it's, it's because insane. they bet they bet on your belief. That's insane. Yeah. yeah, this 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 one guy hits me up and he tells me that it was a he's like you're running a scam. You you got you scammed all these people to bet on you be like by saying that you believe in yourself so much, you know, you're you're giving a false sense of confidence in these betters and you scammed them. I'm like, motherfucker, like, how am I, how did I scam you? Like, I don't get anything for you losing money. What the hell are you talking about, man? I lost, and, and you know what the worst part is? It's like these guys probably me in like a $20 parlay or a $50 parlay or bet a hundred bucks on me. Like I just bet my income for the next five months, you know, what I mean? or four months or, you know, until I fight again, you know, it's like, man, get the fuck out of here, man. I don't have time for that shit. And you know what? Or I, my favorite is you owe me. You owe me. Collect 4055 West Sunset there Monday through Friday. Whatever you think I owe you, come get it. Wow, that's hilarious. How many DMs did you think you've gotten? Like, have you gotten hundreds? Thousands? thousands? Uh, maybe maybe 1,500. Oh I mean, God. they're not they're not all bad. They're not all bad. Um, I, I'd say it's probably, uh, probably 30% of them are bad. You know, and then the other, and and I, and I get a lot of praise. There's a lot of people that you know, like, hey man, that's a gangster move. You know, and some and some of them are like, hey, I bet on you, and I'll bet on you again. You know, for, for someone that believes in himself that much, and you know, I put it all on the line. I wasn't, I, I, I never folded at any time of the fight. You know, I, I was always trying to knock them out. I was always looking for the finish. You know, when people take guys down, like I've seen guys get rocked and they take them down, they just hold them. I, I took him down with the intent to finish. I took him down with the intent to submit him, and. uh you know, that's, and, and, and that's, and that's that I was still looking to finish, uh, finish the fight. There, there, there's no doubt about that, but, uh, unfortunately, you know, Charles has, has great grappling defense and, and I, and I, and I fell short. So, you know, these, the, these people are, are, are just delusional. I, I don't even, I, I can't even imagine blaming somebody else. Like I'm a grown man. I can't imagine blaming another grown man for my decisions. It's fuck it. It's, it's embarrassing. And all these messages are so embarrassing and, I just said at first I was upset and now I just laugh and it's like, man, these people are so pathetic that they're blaming 
a, a fighter that risk everything. You know, I, I lost a hundred dollars. Listen, I, I, I don't know where my career is going to be next month. I, I, I didn't, I don't collect a paycheck this month. Um, like the, these people don't even understand how much I've risked to, to, to do what I do or to get where I'm at. You know, my, my whole life has been all in situation. I come from a little town called Richmond, Michigan. I graduated with a hundred people. You know, when I graduated college at Olivet College, you know, I was faced with a decision. You know, do I want to become an MMA fighter? If I want to become an MMA fighter, I have to go all in. You know, there's 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 no stops. I'm not going to work a nine to five and try and train in the evening, try and compete with the best fighters in the world. I sold my soul to the devil. I moved to Michigan. I moved away from my family. I moved away from my son for the last 10 years. I missed 10 years of him growing up so I could pursue this dream to get to the UFC and all these people want to share me, you know, you know, F all those guys, man. It's, it's, I, I'm an all in kind of guy. When I say I'm going to do something, I, I don't half ass it. I, I go all in and, you know, this kind of was the last statement. This kind of like was my, was my thing from the beginning of my career, whether it was financial, whether it was, you know, again, I moved from Michigan, Richmond, Michigan, uh, all the way to Las Vegas, Nevada to train to get to the UFC. And I got there and, you know, I wanted to go one more time all in, and, you know, I just fell short this time. So it is what it is. You are you're kind of in an interesting spot right now because of this whole thing. I mean, losing four straight, but like you said, you you've you've been a go-to guy for the company. You've taken fights on short notice. You always go out there and you look to finish. Your battles are never boring, but you're in an interesting spot right now. Like, what do you think happens? Like, do you think you're going to get another shot? Like, has there been any indication to this point as to what will happen next? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have no idea, man. I'm just going to play this day by day. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, all my fights prior to this one have all been short notice, man. And, and, and it really sucks. So I was really looking at this as my UFC, my real UFC debut, uh, you know, in shape, as you saw at Wayans, I was in phenomenal shape, um, a stronger, you know, Matt Crawley, my strength conditioning coach over at the PI, he's been putting in overtime with me, uh, all my coaches, extreme couture, you know, putting in the extra road work. Like the, it was that it was, that was the real debut of the guitar hero, man, the, the, the the four fights prior to that were me rolling off the couch and, you know, giving it and fighting on all heart. You know, how, how can I fight Devonte Smith who has a, has a 12 inch reach advantage on me on three day notice? I have to wrestle him. You know, if I was to fight Devonte Smith again, I would have a game plan to take him down, put him against, excuse me, pin him up against the fence and, and wrestle him. But when you're rolling off the couch, you don't have the cardio to do that. So now I have to strike with a striker that, has a 12 inch reach advantage on me. And you know what? Fuck it. I want it in there. And I, and I, and I threw my hands again. Uh, you know, I heard him in the first round, you know, unfortunately I couldn't follow up. Just, I couldn't get through his reach again, preparing for, 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 for these fighters on short notice is tough. So, um, you know, again, back to it is what it is, man. You know, these were all great opportunities. I'm very grateful for all my short notice opportunities. Uh, but you know, um, June 26th was, was the UFC debut of the Guitar Hero, man, and hopefully I get another shot. I don't have any expectation uh, if I do or if I don't. I'll prepare for whatever happens. As I said before the fight, I was prepared for all outcomes. That If that means my contract's over, you know, um, or if I get cut, it is what it is, man. It's a bummer, but you know what? I, I don't cry. I don't sulk. I'm not crying over this money. I'm not going to cry over the contract. I'm going to go home. I'm going to get back in the gym. I'm going to do what I have to do to get my contract back, and you'll see the Guitar Hero back in the cage, um, you know, hopefully sooner than later. But if it's later than sooner, it is what it is, man. I'm here for the long run. Again, I sold my soul to the devil. I, I I'll never get the 10 years back of my son growing up. But with that being said, you know, he's, he's with me right now and he's getting to see me go through all this adversity and he's going to see me overcome all the adversity and, 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 and prevail in the end. And that's what it's all about to me, man, is it's just, you know, perseverance 
and mental toughness and 20k again losing you know 20 whatever it was it was like a little bit over or right around there and whatever it was like yeah again that sucks but at the end of the day you know if i inspired some kids to to, to go to wrestling practice one more day a week or you know inspired some kids to, to really hold on to a dream and really sell out and, and really believe in themselves in the long run um that i mean that that's that's kind of how i'm chalking it up right now man it, 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 hopefully again I, I inspired somebody whether it's, whether it's a teenager whether it's you whether it's anybody and uh you know they do better with their life and uh you know i i, I, can, I can be okay with that i saw a, a picture from your instagram probably like three months ago uh speaking about your son he's gotten himself into wrestling I, I saw that you surprised him you flew back to michigan to watch his first wrestling match like what 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 was that like for you to to see him get on the mats and and kind of pursue this avenue you know it's it's it was it was it was very surreal you know he didn't expect that i was going to be able to make it you know living in vegas you know i i i found out about his wrestling his wrestling matches like on wednesday i found out about it on monday first thing booked to spirit 600 plane ticket and you know what they're like oh no just go to this next one you know he'll have one in two or three more weeks and you know, I was like, nah, I need, I, I want to be at his first one, you know, because, you know, it took me a long time to get him in wanting to do wrestling. You know, he didn't like it at first. It's very, it's very, it's a tough sport. And uh, I, I don't care if, you know, he becomes a fighter or not. I just want him to have that wrestling grit, that wrestling mentality of never give up and, and never surrender kind of thing. And, you know, whatever he decides to do, whether he wants to be a doctor, whether he wants to be a fighter, whether he wants to be a ballet dancer, I just want him to be the best one there is. And, you know, and that's kind of the demonstration I'm trying to lay here is, I'm not going to, I'm not saying I'm the best, I'm, I'm the best fighter in the world, but I'm going to take the ability that I have and the strength that I have and the mental toughness that I have and see how far I can go and, and hit the ceiling as far as I can go, whether it makes, whether that means I'm the UFC champion or if, whether it means that, you know, I just have a career in the UFC. I, I want to take my abilities and, and push them and, and I want him to do the same when, whatever, with whatever he decides to do. Whether again, if it's school, he wants to be a doctor. All right, well, he better be the best damn doctor in the world. He wants to be a surgeon. He wants to be a pianist. Whatever, whatever he wants to do, I just want him to be the best at whatever he does. And that's the kind of that's kind of the the mo that I'm trying to leave behind for me and him. How did how did he react to the to, to Saturday and the bed and and all that stuff? It's uh, it's it's actually kind of funny because I, I you know, when I when I lost in, in a couple of fights, he was very he was pretty emotional about it, and pretty upset. And after this one, you know, it's uh, he came over and gave me a hug, and he said he said I thought that you won the fight, Dad, and told him how upset I was, and he goes, I thought you won the fight, I thought you hurt him more than he hurt you, and that's it's a fact. Uh, but at the end of the day, the only people that matter who thought you won are the judges, man, and. You know, I, I'm always looking for the finish in the whole fight. I was, I was looking, I was looking to finish. Um, hold on one second. Sure. Five minutes. Hold on. Thank you. Sorry, I'm in, I'm in a hotel. Okay. <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm in a hotel with my with my with my kid right now in housekeeping. Okay. Just knocked on our door. I know. <laughs> so, uh, but what was the question? I'm sorry, I lost I lost track for a second. No, just uh, his reaction to to the loss. Oh, yeah, he felt yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, he felt that I won, and uh, you know I, I'm very grateful that he felt that way. And you know it's, uh, you know I, I'm, I'm biased, man, and uh, it just is what it is, man. It's a lot of people thought I won, and I'm sorry, a lot of people thought I won, but uh, the the only people that you know the judges didn't. So you know I, I am judging is a tough is 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 a tough job, but you know and, and I typically don't complain about judging ever because I'm not a judge. But thirty twenty seven, really? I'm just gonna ask you about that. Really? Like, like I was disgusted. Like, I like, it, okay, twenty nine, twenty eight. 
I don't agree with it, but I understand that I, I can see an argument being made. No, but 30-27, I like, I like, what are you, what are you watching? You watching another fight on your phone? I was very disgusted. And, you know, these, these judges need to be held accountable again. I'm not saying that, oh, this should be overturned. And this was all blatantly a win. That's not what I'm saying, but it definitely wasn't 30-27. And it's disgusting that a, a judge would even score it like that, but it is what it is, man. And, at the end of the day, I can sit here and cry to you, and I can cry to everybody about it. I don't get my money back, and I don't get the win in the I don't get in the win column, so it doesn't matter. You've had five fights in the UFC in just over a year. I mean, the short notice debut was an amazing moment for you, but I think the theme of this conversation in the last forty eight hours or so of your life is just living your life with no regrets, like going all in, and it is what it is. How freeing is that? Being able to live life that way. Oh, it's. I mean, freeing is a is a, is a is a interesting word to 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 use it. I, I understand how you're trying to use it, but it you know it's I you know I I won't get into too much detail, but you know when I graduated college, my uncle owns owns a engineering company in Michigan, and you know he he offered me a job, and I would make a, a great amount of money, probably you know make six figures a year, and have a pension, and see my kids, and see my family all the time, but. That's just living, you know, the average life. You know, anybody can do that, man. I, I want to go above and beyond. So this whole free thing, it's it's a very stressful lifestyle. But when you, you know, knock Frank Camacho out in 40 seconds, those moments make it so worthwhile, man. And, and this, like I said, losing this money really hurts and it really sucks. And, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, dig deep and, and figure it out. But you know, life, I, I like my life like a puzzle, man. I'm always trying to figure it out. I'm always trying to figure out my next move. And right as of right now, I don't know what my next move is. Uh, but over the next week or so, you know, I'll, I'll come up with something, you know, uh, and, and I'll figure it out, man. It's, I, I like it because again, yeah, you know, like you're absolutely right. It's a free lifestyle. I do what I want when I want. But in circumstances like this, you know, when you come up short, you know, the highest highs and the lowest lows, you know, it's like when I fought Frank Camacho, you know, it's like I'm going in there and I'm swinging as hard as I can. And, you know, maybe I get knocked out. Frank's a great fighter. Maybe I don't. And, you know, fortunately, I had that was the highest high. And this is one of the lower lows. But again, I pay my debts. I know I knew what I was getting into. I was prepared for all outcomes. I was prepared to lose. I was prepared to win. And here we are lost. It's stressful. Um, I don't know as of right this second, you know, what's going to happen over the next couple of days, but it all works out, man. I always figure it out and I, I, I always persevere no matter how, how tough it gets. And, you know, I, and I do it myself, man. And, and again, it's just going back and I want kids to see, you know, like the perseverance that I'm, that I'm going to put myself through and, and maybe motivate them. My son, like I said, he gets to be a part of all of it and see it all. So, you know, and, in, in 10 years, you know, if he, you know, in whatever field he decides to go in, he's going to remember the day that dad lost all the money he had <laughs> and figures it out. He's like, you know, he's going to go, you know, lose a hundred dollars playing blackjack one day. And he's going to be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, Oh, there was that one day my dad lost everything he had. And, uh, you know, and he persevered through and I'm, I'm going to get through this just fine. And, uh, I, like I said, like I've said in all my interviews, I'm not shook by this and, it, it, it just another drop in the bucket, man. I'll figure it out. And, uh, again, perseverance is my friend. So let's go. Yeah. I, I meant more from like a mental clarity standpoint, because most, most other people, like you said, like if they're in that situation, you got, you got fans hitting you up cause you lost them a hundred bucks. You know, a lot of people, they're, they're probably taking this worse than you are right now, which is, but like just having that mental clarity of knowing, like I knew it, I was ready for all outcomes. That's gotta be a little like, a little less weight upon you if that if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely man and, and, and 
it's it's funny because I talked to my coach Roman Isbell, you know, before we walked out, and I just felt so good and so. And I told him, I said, "Hey, man, I have no regrets of what happens in this fight. If I lose, if I lose my money and I lose this fight, you know." And he's and he's encouraging me, of course. Oh, you're not going to lose. Oh, you're. I'm like Roman. I've done everything perfect. My diet has been perfect. My training has been perfect. I've been injury free. We have a great game plan. Um, you know, sometimes I just get a little more stubborn in that stand and bang kind of mentality instead of imposing my will and taking them down like 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 we wanted to a little bit. But again, at the end of the day, I did what I wanted. I came up short, and I'll continue to do what I want. And like I said, maybe next time if me and Charles run it back again, and, and maybe that'll happen. Maybe the UFC will be like, all right, hey, look, that was a close fight. Charles roasted Justin James too. Let's run it back. And you know what? I, I'm not opposed to, to to doing it again and showing people that I, I am the real deal. And you know, I, I put my money where my mouth is. You know, I, all these people talk about, oh, I'll whip this guy's ass. I'll whip that guy's ass. I'm gonna win this fight. You know, Charles before the fight, oh, I'm gonna knock him out in the first round. I'm like motherfucker. For one, I've never been knocked out. And for two, you know, the closest I've been was Gavin Tucker. And for two. I don't think Charles has ever knocked anybody out. So that doesn't, it didn't make any sense. And, you know, if you, and, and you know, he made a meme, you know, and, and he's being, and it was very playful. Of course, there's, there's no, there's no animosity towards it, but he made a meme. Uh, oh, you made the wrong bet. He did like a John Claude Van Damme thing. And it was like, all right, hey, no problem. If you believe in yourself that much, put your money on yourself, playboy. I'll put mine on myself. You put your on yourself. And let's see who believes in himself more. And you know what? I heard fucking crickets. So it is what it is, man. Nothing but respect for Charles. I, I, I was, I, I'm glad he was a, a, a good competitor very tough guy very nice guy um but but don't come at me tell me the, what what i've done is wrong when you don't have the guts to do it yourself i know i alluded to this at the beginning of the show but i'll say it again it takes a lot of gusto it takes a it takes a big man to not only put that kind of pressure on yourself to have that belief in yourself but after it all kind of falls through and you come up a little bit short to come on here and and talk all about it and answer the questions sheesh that is something else. I got so much respect for Justin Janes and uh, good on him. Much appreciated. It's uh, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. I'm uh, I'm blown away as we uh, we head up north to Canada and let us check in with the recently victorious Tanner Bozer. All right, let us move ahead to Tanner Bozer, who competed on this past Saturday's UFC Vegas 30 card in the co-main event. He stops Oban St. Preux in the second round. Back on track is the bulldozer. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. Thanks. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Big finish. Back in the win calm. The two-fight skid is now a thing of the past. Now it's a chance to turn it into a, a winning streak the next time you compete. was. Would you say there was a bit of sigh of relief on Saturday once the fight was over? Huge relief, actually, yeah, for sure. So this was wild to see get put together because obviously OSP loses an opponent. You were put in there not long after. We learned you also got a four-fight deal with the company upon agreeing to this bout. And you had just fought earlier in the month and you wanted to get back in quick. So from your end, like, how did this happen? Like, when did you know about it? What did you think of the opportunity of stepping in and, and fighting o Ovin St. Peru? Uh, I ended up having about a week and a half notice because I got the... I got the, the call that it was possible on Tuesday, like a week and a half before. Um, they said, did you want to fight Oban St. Prue next Saturday? I said, yeah. And they said, okay, well, we'll ask him. And we're, they said, we've forwarded, uh, we've forwarded him asking about the boat and you'll should know soon. And then the next day I got confirmation that it was a go. So uh, that's 
all that happened. I, I got my manager to ask um, Mick Maynard for a, a quick turnaround and a fight soon, and they came through. If you got to list like a hundred names you could have fought, would would Ovin St. Pru have been on that list? No, because I mean he wasn't even in heavyweight technically. He just decided to come up and and take the fight because he wanted to fight. Uh, and I might maybe I was the only guy that would do it. And he'd been at heavyweight not long before, and then he missed light heavyweight right after. So I think UFC had some uh, kind of cause there to try and get him to go up to heavyweight for one, but. Credit to him for doing it and for stepping up a weight class to to save his fight and yeah. I saw your your interview with um, with James Lynch and and because of how the world has been over the last sixteen or so months and you're you're dealing with the now back in quarantine, but you were still essentially in quarantine since you got back from the fight with the Lear Latifi. So, what was sort of like the day to day like getting ready for the fight with the limited time you had before you actually headed out to Las Vegas? None. I, I couldn't, I can't leave my apartment. So I just stayed inside and I have a pair of 40 pound dumbbells and a medicine ball. And there's not, I live on the, the third floor. There's people below me. It's not like I can skip, you know what I mean? I can't hide. So yeah, there's not a lot I could do, but I just kept eating healthy and I knew that I'd still be in shape. I train so hard all the time. It's it's not ideal circumstances, but I knew when push came to shove, I could go put in three hard fives if I had to. Yeah. Did you go out like the Monday or Tuesday before fight week, or did you try to get a little earlier? I get I got off quarantine the morning of the the that I had to leave, so I didn't get to do anything. I got off quarantine and went to the airport. Oh man, so. You and this was kind of a story heading in, and I don't know like how it got to be that way, but and correct me if I'm taking it out of context. I wouldn't say you entered this fight with like a chip on your shoulder, but it seemed as if you welcomed the added pressure of the situation, if that makes sense. Like you had lost the two straight, you got the new deal, you wouldn't, you know, take the new deal as a get out of jail free card. You still felt like, man, if if I lose this one, I my job is still potentially on the line, or at least in my next fight, my spot on the roster could be on the line. Like, is that the right way to explain it? Like, but the extra pressure, the stakes, if you will, did the fight week just feel different for you compared to maybe some of the others that you've had? I don't know if fight week felt different, but you're right. There was a lot of extra pressure because of the spot I was in. Yeah, maybe there would have been a little bit of grace if I would have uh lost that one because I took it on short notice, maybe, but a new deal is, is cool and all, but you can be cut after any loss. So there's no necessary, like hundred percent security there. So if I lost, then yeah, for sure. If, if I was given the, the, the good grace to be able to fight one more time, if I would have lost one after then I'm, I'm out a hundred percent. So I don't think I relished it. It's a bad spot to be in. It's not like I was stoked about it. It was, it sucked. It's terrible to not know if you're going to still have your job should things go sideways, but I salvaged it. And I know everybody liked the chip on the shoulder thing. Everybody kind of ran with that. I didn't really have a chip on my shoulder. There was a lot of pressure and I, I needed, I needed to save myself. Yeah, I, I, I think you just approached it with a very realistic view, like anybody in any job that was kind of in a similar situation would look at each day that, you know, this could be the last one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just felt like you you were real about it. I don't think like you were doing anything different. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I don't really like the sugarcoat stuff. I 
I keep pretty uh, I keep it pretty straightforward. I think. The fight begins. Ovens is a slow starter. He knows it. Everyone who's followed his career knows it. You took advantage of that. A lot of quick movement, hard kicks to the leg, hard kicks to the body. I know you probably weren't expecting him to just come out on fire, but did you think he came out slower than than maybe you had seen in his prior fights? Mm, I mean, he's had a lot of fights. So has he come out uh, faster in some fights? I'm sure he has, yeah, but... I mean, I'd like to obviously attribute that to what I was doing and not just say that, he, oh, Ovince was slow. Well, I mean, I came out firing and I, I know I have a power advantage and I think maybe maybe he wasn't used to that. I kicked him pretty hard in the legs and pretty hard in the body pretty quick. Those are some hard shots and uh, it made him hesitant and my movement made him hesitant. And I think it was a surprise to him that he's the light heavyweight typically and I was faster and that threw him off. Did you feel like that was something you were going to have an advantage with even before you put pen to paper on this fight? Like you would have the speed advantage over him, even though he was a weight class below you? Yeah, I already knew that. hundred percent. I knew that. So second round, he gets the takedown. He's inside control. He looked to be going for that, you know, patented Von Prue choke that had been so successful in his career, but you were wise to it. You knew it was coming. You know, you have to mind your P's and Q's in the situation, no doubt about it, but I don't know. To, to me, it just felt like the longer you were on your back and the longer you weren't in that much danger, the more your confidence, your confidence started to build in that moment, which ultimately le to, led to the finish. It's like, is that accurate? Did you start to feel more confident? Like the more time went by and the more that you were able to avert him from putting that move on you? Uh, no, that didn't have anything to do with it. I just knew that he used, uh, he had a nice takedown, but I knew he used energy to get it. And it takes energy to keep me on the ground. Cause if you aren't expending energy, I will get up. So he kept, he couldn't keep me there forever. And then when I got up, he was tired and he was also beat up already. I'd landed big shots. His legs were hurt. His body's hurt. And I just got up and he was desperate. So then I was just, I could see sense already that he's getting desperate. He shot, started shooting desperate takedowns right after and then i was able to finish him i don't think uh it was because i like gained confidence from not getting submitted or something i knew not to put my arm around his neck <laughs> that's just what you don't do don't put your arm around his neck you <laughs> so so there you go it was obviously a, a strange sequence of events that led to the finish because on the broadcast you know the whole fence gate bs Jason Herzog for a moment thought you were part of that as well. Turns out you did not grab the fence. In fact, you may have revolutionized the getup in the heavyweight division with the way you used your fist to start the process of getting back to your feet. You eventually did, and that was a wrap. What's going on in your mind as the finishing sequence was happening? Like the, the 30, 45 seconds before that, like what is happening in your mind with all this going on besides, oh, I have a chance to finish this, man. I'm going to do it. Okay, so – uh, let's call it cage gate, not fence gate. It has a better ring to it. <laughs> um, I, none of that went through my head because I'm in a fight. I'm in a fight right now. And I just got to my feet at no point. Did my brain register that Daniel Cormier is over there screaming. That's bad. Like 400 times. And I didn't hear his corner scream that I grabbed the cage until after I won. Um, <sighs> I, these things I realized after somehow it was controversial that I did, I didn't grab the cage and I hate that that's the main storyline from this because I straight up beat his ass for, yep. for the whole fight. And this is the narrative drives me nuts. 
I don't think I revolutionized the game, man. It's really, really straightforward. You can't grab the cage. You can't. But you can put your hand like this and post off the cage. If I'm the only one doing that, then everybody else is really, really dumb. <laughs> it was nice to see you vindicated, though. Like, you didn't do anything wrong. And people immediately thought, because of how the broadcast was was portraying it, that, that you grabbed the fence. And then once we saw the replay, there was no fence grab. Like... Does that did that even affect you? Like, does the vindication even matter at this point since you didn't do anything wrong to begin with? Like I said, it's annoying, but I won and I won fair and square and I had a great performance. One of the best ones of my life, probably against a guy with a pretty big name. So, no, it doesn't matter. All of those dumb opinions don't matter. Just like when you lose the same people that are just, you know, talking shit, they don't matter either. It's whatever you win, you lose. People are going to find something to talk shit about. Is it annoying that the broadcast was so adamant that I grabbed the fence and they kind of created that narrative? People are people are impressionable. And when they hear the people who talk on TV say something, they believe them. So is it annoying? Yeah, I guess. But I mean, uh, my win bonus is going to be in my account in a few hours. There you go. So it doesn't really sting at all that there was any controversy. I mean, it's annoying. But in the end, again, you got your second second half of your paycheck. You went home with a win. That's all that matters at this point. Nothing else. That that's all that matters. Yes. So now what, what do we do? Because you, you finished the, the, the Latifi fight. You want to get right back in there. You got right back in there. You got to finish you. It was definitely one of your better performances of your career. And you've had some damn good ones. What do we do now? Like, do you want to smell the rose a little bit? Or do you are you hoping that like that phone rings as soon as possible and you can get right back in there? Well, I have a couple of weeks now in quarantine, so I will have basically spent six weeks now without a training camp because I will have uh, went to fight Latifi, had that week of, you know, fight week where you train lightly, get a sweat on, blah, blah, blah. Two weeks of quarantine after another fight week that I trained a little harder at once I was at the PI because I hadn't been able to train before. So blow your lungs out a little more, but still, it's not that hard training. And now I got two more weeks of quarantine. So that's six weeks of not training really. So I got to get back to training now. And, uh, like, I mean, in two weeks, like when I can, and then I got to train for a bit before I fight again, because it would, at a certain point, it just becomes foolish. So, um, I'm going to get back to training. I am going to enjoy a little bit of my summer, you know, I'll, I'll look to fight in the, in the fall. I think. How does, how does Tanner Bozer enjoy a summer when he doesn't have a fight on the books? Like what are some of the things you're going to do in with the nicer weather? I like to go. Uh, I like to go to the mountains once or twice to Canmore area. I love it there in Alberta. Uh, like I'm from Alberta, but Canmore is um, about a five-hour drive from Edmonton, and I love it there. I like to go home a bunch to Bonneville, see my uh, family and some of my friends. Uh, yeah, probably, probably, probably go to the mountains with my girlfriend, and uh, probably go back to Bonneville and see my family. Go fishing a little bit. Nothing too crazy, but just a little bit where I don't have uh, have, a, have a fight impending so I can, you know, have a few beers and chill out a little bit. Not for long, just like a week or two and then get back to full training. I'll still be training those those weeks, but have like the weekends off kind of thing. Were you bummed there wasn't a monster can up on the desk when you were doing your post-fight scrum? Like, what was that all about? I don't know. The, just It's just water in a monster uh, bottle <laughs> on the table. I don't know what... The, I don't know what the point of that is. I don't know what they're promoting. Water. Just water. 
<laughs> I thought it was hilarious. You're like, what is this? This is unbelievable. Uh, last thing for me, before we came on here, there was some big news that that happened in the UFC's heavyweight division. We found out that Cyril Gunn, a prior opponent of yours, is going to fight Derek Lewis for the interim heavyweight title on August 7th. Were you aware of this news? And if so, how do you react to uh, to the surprising revelation? Uh, I just found out about it, actually, um, right before I got on the call with you here. Yeah, that's a wicked fight. Uh, that's it's awesome. Good fight to make, honestly. Are you surprised that they're doing the interim thing now since after Francis won the title three months ago? Uh, I don't know why it's there's an interim. I don't know what the circumstances are. Is like wh- why is Francis hurt or does he want? I don't know what's going on. I mean, I assume there's a reason, but either way, I like Gone versus Lewis. I think that's a great fight. I don't really care to get into the uh, the politics of the fight game that don't directly concern myself. That no, that makes a lot of sense. How, how do you like? I mean, I know the fight just got it made made sort of official like an hour ago. So not a lot of time to like dive through tape and, and take a gander at it, but just kind of looking at it, seeing the names on paper. How, how do you see that one going down? Like, is there a, are you leaning one way or the other? Well, I'd lean towards gone, but I mean, I'm biased. I fought him and he beat me and he beat me like convincingly and fair and square. I think the guy's the, the real deal. Uh, but Lewis can one and done anybody. That's why it's such an exciting fight and it's going to be five rounds. So if Gunn doesn't capitalize on something and put Lewis away, that's just a little more time, uh, a little more time for Lewis to find him. So that's uh, a great fight. And I'll definitely be looking forward to watching that one. There you go. And last thing for me, what sort of sticks out for your next move? Like, I know you want to enjoy your summer and come back in the fall, but is there any sort of name that that, that sticks out to you that you want to get in? Not, not like a trash talky kind of way, but just this would be a fun fight. This gets me a step closer towards my goals. Yep, Big Ben. That's the fight I, I that's the fight I picked for you too. I like it. Why Ben? Just just because it makes sense, or is there like a stylistic, you know, sort of perspective to it that that sticks out to you? No, it's just we're we're in the same boat because I uh, I asked for Jared Bandera and I got a laugh in response just like he did. So I figured uh, me and Big Ben are in the exact same situation here. I don't know what's up, but hey, we're in the same boat. We'll fight over who's the captain. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good win for Tanner Bozer on Saturday. It's it's it kind of sucks. It's always tough being in a spot like that where you go out there, you have a great performance. That first round he looks sensational. Goes out, stops OSP in the second. It's overshadowed with controversy. I don't think it should be overturned. Of course, we reported first on Saturday that 
Ovin St. Pru and his team are appealing the TKO loss to Tanner Bozer. And again, it has nothing to do with anything Tanner did, it had nothing to do with the fence grab or lack thereof, as we saw in the replay. It had to do with the referee, Jason Herzog, coming over, looking to make contact with OSP. And uh, I will say, just kind of looking at it, and I reacted to this on Saturday, and people gave me a whole bunch of crap about it. I was like, Jason Herzog, eh, didn't really do a good job. And people were like, oh, how dare you accuse Tanner Bozer of cheating? I didn't accuse Tanner Bozer of cheating or grabbing the fence at all. I thought Jason Herzog went in, made a move, a judgment call, if you will, and then he changed his mind. And in this sport where things move so so fast, you can't do that. Like, if you're going to go in there and, and, ca- and call a pause to the action, you have to go through with it, follow through with the pause. You can't just say, okay, pause. No, 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 no. You know what? Never mind. Not saying that's exactly what happened here, but that is the gripe OSP has. And if you watch the fight, I don't really blame him for filing this appeal. I don't. I don't think he's, it's going to get overturned, but it's worth a shot. I think he's got a little bit of a gripe, and uh, I think Jason Herzog made a mistake. There you go. I think he made a mistake. It happens. He's human. I'm not here to crucify him. I'm not. But it deserves to be mentioned as part of the story. But again, nothing to do with Tanner. No fence grab. Dude gets up, gets the finish, got a great win. And now he's on to possibly Big Ben Rothwell or somebody else as we move ahead to another big winner from this past Saturday. First UFC submission win for Julia Avila. Let's hear from her right now. What the heck? All right, let us welcome back one of our favorite guests of the show. She got back in the win column on Saturday with a third-round submission win over Julia Stoliarenko at UFC Vegas 30. Let us say hello once again to, I guess we should call her, submission specialist, Julia Avila. <laughs> is, is that where we're going with, Julia? How are you? Competitive snuggler. Competitive snuggler, Julia Avila. That's right. And now you get the cauliflower ear to, to, to match that moniker. Yeah, look at that. Mm. <laughs> How long did that take to acquire? 10 years, 10 years I've been doing this and uh, I finally got my cauliflower ear and I'm very excited about it. That's a big moment for you as well as a big moment for you on Saturday. Congratulations on the victory. First submission win of your career. How about that? Like that's your second. Mm-hmm. My first oh. one was arm bar. Oh, when was that? Um, it was against, uh, it, it, it was on an HD MMA. It was like a minute something, but yeah. Oh, okay. All right, first UFC submission. First yes. UFC submission win. Okay, there we go. But how does it feel being back home, not just with the win and a finish, but you got to answer some questions at the same time by forcing a, a little tap tap. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I train more on the ground than I do stand-up. Um, so, like, it's, you know, that's my bread and butter. That's what I I, I feel I should be known for, but um, I hit pretty hard. I knew she was going to be durable, so I didn't. I knew I wasn't going to knock her out. Um, oh, I guess I had a suburb. <laughs> I mean, as expected, it was as advertised. The fight was very exciting. Julia, like you said, is, is such a gamer. You busted her up early. As you know, she has bled many times in her career, was part of one of the craziest fights we've seen in the last 18 months or so for Invicta. How much fun did you just have in there with, with somebody like that? Oh gosh. I knew, I knew I was going to have so much fun. And actually, so one of my coaches told me this, that in between rounds, I think the first and second round, um, the doctor asked her, you know, are you okay? And she said, I'm having the best day of my life. (laughs) But right. And, uh, he came up to me and he's like, this, you, you 
bitches are crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. And it's absolutely awesome. She was so game and it was such a fun fight. The judges seem to be all over the place with the scoring. I don't know if you knew this, but one had it 2-0 for you heading into the third. One had it 19-19 heading into the third. And one had it 2018 for her, which is kind of wild to think about. But how did you and your team see it heading into the third round? Like, what was the conversation like after round two? So um, between the second and the third round, my coach, uh, he told me I, I lost the second round. Um, and he wanted me to find the finish. I said, okay, coach. Okay. Um, but he told me later that after that, um, he only said that because he wanted me to find the finish. He wanted me to, to feel like I was the underdog. Right. Um, but we all thought that I was winning the fight. The only thing I could think of is the, the judges maybe mistook which Julia was which Julia, um, I hope that never happens. Like if I ever fight Juliana Pena, like that's <laughs> we got to make sure that they get the right J's. <laughs> that's crazy. And yeah. then, you know, you obviously the, the advice worked, you come out in the third, you get that finish in the final minute of the fight and the emotions just flowed right out of you. You could see this tremendous weight lifted off of your shoulders. Like how would you describe what you were feeling in that moment after she tapped? Just, overwhelming relief and happiness. Um, it, it was everything I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a very emotional person anyways. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, it's just, uh, it was worth it. It made everything worth it. And I, I felt like I made everyone proud. And then you give DC a big old hug and then you apologize after for hugging him because of the blood and such very cool moment. There's just, there's just not a lot of fighters that are like you, Julia. Between that and then hugging Stolyarenko at the face-off, her reaction to that was absolutely priceless, by the way. You really are a raging panda. Like, you live that moniker to the fullest, do you not? <laughs> I mean, I, that's why they gave me the nickname. <laughs> like, I um, I may be nice and cuddly, but I'm still a fucking bear. <laughs> <laughs> so... You, you were telling DC after because he asked you sort of about the emotions that that you were experiencing and you had gone through a lot, you know, over, throughout this year between, you know, losing the fight with Julia originally because of the weight cut and everything that happened with that. Um, and then we found out that you got kicked out of your gym. You mentioned that as well. Like, are like what happened there? They just they just kicked you out. Like you just went to the gym being like, hey, let's go train. And they they unceremoniously asked you to exit. Like what happened there? Are you are, are you OK telling that story? There was a lot of ceremony to it. Um, it was actually uh, less than 24 hours after my fight got canceled. Uh, we flew back and we were training because one of my, my coaches had a fight the next weekend. So we had to get him ready, um, getting into cut week. So a uh, couple rounds in, coach comes up and yells in front of me and God and everyone and uh, kicks me out. Um, it was just... A misunderstand. Uh, he believed something that isn't true. And um, there was a lot of people that saw what I think is true and they left with me. And so, um, yeah, we I opened up a gym for my people. And it, it was actually a group of us. It wasn't just me. It's not just me. It's uh, It's a lot of us. So we all went through. Uh, huge changes. It wasn't just me. I know 
a lot of people watching, um, a lot of our students that were watching felt the same relief and emotion that I did as soon as I got that win. Was there, I mean, was, was it a long time coming or did it like kind of take you by surprise? Um, it, it was from uh, an injury that wasn't my fault. Um, you know, we do a combat sport and, uh, I don't mean to hurt people. Um, and I didn't do anything wrong. And so, uh, yeah, it was just misunderstanding and, uh, stories made up in their own heads. Yeah. The sport is, is great and it can be a little rough at times too, but you mentioned it as, as painful as that must've been for you. You got to bust down some new doors, Julia outsiders combat club. This is such a cool name, by the way, it resonates perfectly. This is a very big deal. And can I just add that this came together very, very quickly. I mean, I know you had a group of people that kind of followed you out the door and you guys just became this outsider clan. Like how did this happen and how did this happen so quickly? So, uh, from two weeks, uh, from when we decided on the name and the location and the people, um, it took two weeks to open a gym. Uh, why? Because my husband and I actually had everything. We've always wanted to open up a gym and, um, oh, he's here, my husband. Um, <laughs> and so we had everything in our garage, in our home. Actually, our home is very empty now. <laughs> it's, it's like, hello, hello. Uh, but here, let me, do you see that? Oh, look at that. Everything back there was in our home. That was That's my crazy. Home. That's my life. That's, uh, everything that I, uh, I wanted everything that I've, I've always wanted. I've always wanted to be a gym owner and only because I, I want to be a positive influence on people's lives. I want to change lives. I want, I want to be remembered for the good that I did. How many, how many people are, are actively students there right now? Do you have like a whole crew? Because it looks like in the pictures, it's like, wow, this is this is pretty amazing. Well, I think we have about 80 students. Um, wow. Yeah, adults and children. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, we quickly outgrew this space. And uh, I think we're going to stay here for a little bit longer. But I, I, I can't wait to just develop it more and have more offerings and more classes and devote more of my time here and raise my kid here. One day, you know, I'm going to have a kid and I'm going to be able to coach my kid on these mats, which is just surreal to me. A little panda. Uh, yeah, my little baby bear. <laughs> so, I mean, as, as, as pretty, as unfortunate as that whole situation with the old gym was, it was kind of the push you needed to, to really ramp this up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I would have still been there um, if I was, wasn't kicked out. There was a lot of um, back and forth that happened behind the scenes. And I'm, I'm thick-skinned. I can take that. Um, I didn't want anyone else to take that, that kind of uh, mental abuse. So um, I was, I was going to stay. I would have stayed, but I didn't have a choice. Um, I was forced to leave. So. So now you got this new gym, you get your first UFC submission win. And I saw you already back lifting at 5 a.m. this morning, too. You're 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 fully ready with rash guards and all training again today. You are such a machine. How, like, where does this all come from? Like, you just had a war 48 hours ago. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I like I said, I want to be a positive influence and no one ever like wants to be the couch potato. No one ever, no one ever looks at someone that's just like laying there and say, Oh, I want to be that person. No, it's someone like you want to be motivated. You want to move. You want to like live your life to its fullest extent. And, um, I want to, 
I want people to look at me and say, I did this because you said I could. Did you at least smell the roses yesterday when you got home? I mean, as I ran by them. (laughs) 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 How long did you run? Like how many roses did you actually run by yesterday? Gosh. Okay. So I didn't run. That's a lie. I walked. My husband, um, he, he forced me to walk, but uh, it was still lovely and uh, wonderful. Well, there you go. So outside of being a gym owner, where do we go from here, Julia? I mean, there's certainly some interesting options out there. You're a top 15 fighter at 135 pounds. I'm, I assume that you might bump up a spot or two, but what sort of sticks out to you moving forward after that big win? Well, I'm going to work on my scheduling and hopefully get some more cross training out at Glory MMA uh, with James Krause and, uh, work with them a little bit more and, uh, just develop my, my skill set here. Um, maybe one day I'll be a black belt. I don't know. Uh, I, I know combat base I'm working with them with, uh, Chris and Melissa Howder. They're amazing, amazing people and so supportive. Um, yeah, just taking it one day at a time right now. I was going to ask you about Krause because, I, I remember when you kind of put the story out there of what happened with the gym, like I know Kraus sort of put it out there, like come train with us, like come see us. Like, did you see that? Like, and how quickly did it take from you seeing that to, to get out there? I thought it was a joke at first. Um, I like, I'm no one, right. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a girl that calls herself the raging panda. Like who, who, who the heck is this girl? And for someone to see me and see my potential, like that was humbling. And so I went, I, messaged him and I went up there and I met him and I was awestruck and I was like, okay, I got to put my best foot forward. So I wore a rash guard set that looked like a gi. So it was my no gi gi and I look absolutely stupid. (laughs) I was like, how is this guy going to take me seriously? But, uh, no, it was absolutely awesome. Um, uh, that was humbling. That was fun. And, I just, I can't wait to, to develop uh, that friendship and that relationship and, um, just, you know, prove to the world what I can be. He sort of developed this moniker in his own right of being sort of a cheat code as a coach. Like he just sees things like five moves in advance. It's, it's pretty, uh, pretty fascinating. Like, what did you take away from getting to work with James and that, that hungry team over there? Exactly what you said. They're hungry. They're they're a pack of wolves. They're uh, so smart and just good, good people. Um, they're exactly what I want to develop out here at Outsiders. Um, and I think we're on the right path. There you go. Well, very happy for you, Julia. That was an excellent win. You have been through a lot. And like I've said before, it's it's nice to see one of the good people in our sport have a great moment like that on a national stage like that and a global stage. So congratulations to you. Looking forward to seeing what's next for you. Uh, any any parting words for the peeps before we say goodbye? Just thank you so much, Panda Nation. Thank you so much for believing in me and being uh, on my side through, through thick and thin. And I hope that I have earned your hearts and you guys stay on this uh this journey with me. So I appreciate you. Please uh, like, follow, subscribe on all social media platforms at Raging Panda MMA. Um, I'm very active on Instagram. Um, it's, I'm a visual person, so it works for me. Uh, but yeah, hit me up. Thank you.
No doubt about it. One of my favorite people in the sport, Julia Avila. There's, there's just no other like her. So congratulations to her for the big win. Happy for her, her husband, her whole team, and uh, the new gym. Just big weight lifted off her shoulders. A lot was going on in her life. And went to Vegas against a tough opponent and got it done. But we're getting ready to wrap up the show. Big thank you, as always, to all of you watching and listening to the program. Big thank you to the guests. Big thank you to Casey Lydon on the production each and every week. Big thank you to Jose Youngs and Alex Savas on the graphics and the social media stuff. And guess what? We're going to do it again next week. But until then, have a heck of a week, everybody. Enjoy uh, a weekend in the United States. You have a long weekend with the 4th of July, Independence Day weekend. And for those not in the United States, enjoy enjoy a weekend uh, to hang out and do something besides watch fights. It's nice to have these kinds of weekends once in a while. But again, have a heck of a week, everybody. We'll leave you my chat with the one anime champion, Angela Lee. All right, let us say hello to the one atomweight champion, Angela Lee, who has had a lot going on in her life since we last saw her regain her title in October of 2019. She has become a mom, and now, as you can see in the background, she is on the road back to competition. Angela, great to see you. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So first things first. How is parenthood? How is how have you how, how have you enjoyed being a mom? Uh, I'm, I'm a veteran of eight years at this point. Uh, how have you been enjoying the first few months? It's amazing, honestly, um, just filled with so much happiness, more than I could imagine. Uh, each day is something new. Um, my daughter, she's just started to babble, finding her voice. So she's making all these cute sounds and noises. And um, yeah, I just... I love it so much. <laughs> Parenthood, as, as you can attest to, it changes you in a lot of ways, right? Like I know fighters talk about it a lot, like it's extra motivation to win and compete, but it's a lot more than that. Like it changes a lot of things. Like, have you noticed a big change in yourself in general, a more, I guess, tunnel vision approach to everything in your life? Definitely. Um, now, you know, me and my husband, our whole world revolves around Ava and everything we do um, is all for her now. So I just started to get back into training and it is not easy. Um, it's been pretty rough. Uh, my body is not the same as how I remember it. And so I'm just trying to, you know, take things slow one day at a time. But uh, yeah, some days are harder than others to get myself on the mat. But I just look at my daughter and I remember that I'm doing it for her. Well said. Yeah, it was about a week or so ago. I think you posted that it was your first day back at the gym. You you got to train with your dad and, and your sister, Victoria, your brother, Adrian. And it's like anything you get back into after a bit of time away. Yeah, there's like some familiarity. Sure. But you got to build back to where you were. So like, how would you describe the first training session back? Like when it was over, what what, what were you feeling like? Honestly, overall, I was so happy to be back. You know, um, the gym, it's like my, is my first home, really. Uh, so everything feels really natural. Uh, it's just my body. It's like, <laughs> I was so sore. And um, I was just not used to, you know, training. I mean, it's been almost a year. Um, so it's rough. Uh, but luckily, I have a great support system over here and my dad who's my coach. He's just, he's like, Hey, um, don't put any pressure on yourself. Uh, just take it easy. And we're going to easy back into this. 
Um, the last thing I want to do is, you know, push myself too hard and get injured. And then not only will that be bad for myself, but I need to take care of my daughter. So, yeah. What was the, what was the hardest part of it all? Oh my goodness. Um, you know what? Initially just getting past the warmups because, um, this was the first time that I really, exercise worked out in in a while and I felt like throwing up after the warm-ups but I stuck with it and two hours of training later um yeah I had an awesome time it just felt so great to be back you know with everyone um in this environment what have you made of the progression of your brother and sister since the last time you trained with them Oh my goodness. Um, it's crazy. I really, really miss training with them just because, uh, you know, before I got pregnant, we were training with each other every day. Uh, but now, you know, stepping back on the mats with them, I can really see how much growth they've had, um, in terms of technique, but also size wise, like my sister is, is taller than me. And, uh, my youngest brother, Adrian, he's just huge. I, I don't know what happened. Time flies, right? It does. It really does. Scary. So in your world, there's there's an Adam Wake Grand Prix that has been booked and rebooked several times now. It doesn't have an official date, but the winner of that tournament is expected to face you for the title. They're hoping maybe it happens sometime this summer. But I guess how are you viewing this concept as the champion getting ready to return after nearly two years away? Do you feel like this is the right way to get to your next fight? I do. Um, you know, in the Adam Wake division, it, it definitely has the most um, the most women for the organization. It's the it's the busiest, um, and yeah, there's some you know really good contenders that they've brought into the Adam Wake Grand Prix. I mean, the Adam Wake Grand Prix is super exciting in itself, just because it's the first you know all female um, tournament that one's going to put on. And, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be super fun, uh, to see how it goes down and I'll be tuning in for sure. Um, meanwhile, for me, it just gives me so much added motivation to get back to training and get back to fight shape as soon as possible just because I know that these girls are gunning for me. So I got to be ready. What is your ideal time frame looking like? Let's just say this thing happens in the next month or two. And again, we don't really know what when it exactly it is going to happen. Are you hoping to get back in there before the end of the year? Or are you hoping maybe like the beginning of next year? What, what's what's your calendar sort of looking like? What do you have circled in terms of when you'd like to get back in there? For me, um, you know, I'm really focusing on on getting back. And ideally, I would like to have myself you know, in fight shape by the end of the year. Um, that being said, I'm not sure how things play out. You know, the world is still kind of not back to normal um, with, you know, the COVID and, and things like that. So it makes things a little bit more difficult. I know that the um, Adam Wake Grand Prix was supposed to happen earlier, got pushed back. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, but all I have to worry about is, is getting my butt back in shape and, um, my plan is hopefully by the end of the year to be fight ready. Like you said, everyone in this tournament is going to be gunning for you at some point. Whoever comes out of this is going to be fighting you for the title. 
who out of this field do you have your eyes on specifically? Like who sticks out to you? Who is your your favorite, if you will, to come out of this thing and be your next opponent? Have you thought about that at all? Um, I think that, you know, everyone who has a spot in this Grand Prix is, you know, um, is not to be taken lightly. Um, the matchups are interesting, so I'm really excited to see how that plays out. I mean, it's a fight. Anything can happen. And also, even more so in a tournament setting like this, um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to call out who I think is going to win the tournament because you never know, um, especially with, you know, training conditions now you don't know who has access to what and um how prepared someone may be um so you know anything can happen um i'm just excited that i get to see these girls face off against each other and um yeah it's going to be one hell of a tournament as we discussed earlier your family fully entrenched in this game christian of course the lightweight champion he's a new parent as well just coming off this phenomenal performance back in April, first round finish. It was on TNT in the U.S., which is a very big deal for one. What did you think of his performance and what he's been doing overall in the last two and a half, three years? Christian is just getting better and better. And the scary thing for for everyone um, in his division uh, is that he's just getting started. I mean, he just celebrated his 23rd birthday yesterday. Um so, you know, literally he has so much more to go. And, um, you know, the way he trains in the gym every single day is just so motivating and inspiring for me. Um, and, yeah, I just – I think that now that he has a daughter and now that he's a dad, he has just so much more motivation. So he's going to be even scarier in the cage if that's possible. <laughs> What's the age difference between your two daughters? Uh, so my daughter, Ava, she was born April 16th. And then Christian's daughter, Leah, was born May 1st. They're 15 days apart. All right. All right. That's a good birthday for yours. Uh, my son was born April 17th. So you got me got me by a day. So oh, nice. how about that? And then um, <laughs> we, we talked about Victoria, who just won her pro debut back in February. She looked phenomenal as well. Submission win in, this, in the second round. It's one thing to watch Christian do her do his thing, but to see Victoria go out, your little sister go out there and put on a performance like that as big sis, what was that like for you? Oh my gosh, it was just so surreal. Um, you know, I was really bummed out that I couldn't be there for her debut because, you know, um, I really just saw myself being there cage side and I, that's what I really wanted to, but I was in my third tri trimester, so I couldn't travel. And um, also with the COVID situation, um, she was not allowed any more people to go with her for the fight. Um, but I was just up and screaming at my phone and, um, you know, supporting her from, from here in Hawaii and so proud of her, you know, um, to think that she put on a performance like that at just 16 years old is um, it's very, very you know, there's so many more things to think about. Not only do you have to be prepared for um, to face another professional MMA fighter, but um, all the nerves that she had to deal with and she overcame. So very proud of her. Could Adrian be the best of the bunch? Is this possible? Because this just seems like the growth from like one, from, from the oldest to the youngest. It just seems, I don't know. It's just, it's just wild. I mean, you get two world champions in the family and now you're watching 
you know, Victoria have the success she's having. Is it possible that Adrian could be could be the best of the bunch when when his prime comes? I don't want to give anything away. Um, I mean, Adrian, he's still 15 years old, but the guy is a beast. He is. Um, and it's very nice to see how he's progressing. And um, so who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Keep that. You know, keep that secret. Mystery. Mystery is a, is a good thing. How, what was your experience like? I, I know that the Apprentice One Championship Edition is about to to hit the U.S. pretty soon, if memory serves me correctly. I know you were a part of that. What was that like for you? What was that experience like for you being a part of a show like that? That was super fun. Um, it was a really awesome experience. Uh, I hope that I definitely get more opportunities like that in the future. Um it's different than fighting. Um, you know, uh, you got thing, other things to worry about, like saying your lines correctly. And, uh, you know, um, it's long days with filming, too. But uh, definitely very enjoyable and super cool for me to see, you know, behind the scenes of how this all works. Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad you got those experiences. And uh, I'm glad you get to experience being a mom. You have a big smile on your face. So you, you can tell it's 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 all good as you get ready to make that journey back into the cage. Hopefully sometime at the end of the year, maybe next year, we'll see how that all goes. Of course, we got the Adam White Grand Prix to take place and we'll see who comes out of that. But Angela, glad to see this background behind you with the cage behind you getting back at it. And uh, we wish you all the best in this journey back to the cage. And we I appreciate the time very much. Thank you so much. Hope to be speaking with you guys soon. You're listening to the Vox media podcast network. With the NBA finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.